0: You're listening to the Film Comment Podcast from the Cannes Film Festival. Over the next week, Editor-in-Chief Nicholas Rapold and a variety of guests will be discussing the highs and lows of the most famous film event in the world. But first, a word from our sponsors. A Cinema Guild release, Hong Sang-soo's The Day After is a New York Times critic pick. The Cannes and New York Film Festival hit is now playing exclusively at the Film Society of Lincoln Center. The Film Comet Podcast is sponsored by Kino Lorber, presenting Custody. Winner of the Silver Lion at the Venice Film Festival, this French domestic thriller will keep audiences guessing and leave them with their hearts in their throats. In theaters, starting June 29th. Autograph collection hotels are carefully chosen for their unique design, passion for craft, and an inherent connection to the locale. Each hotel has its own exactly-like-nothing-else story to tell. Autograph Collection Indie Film Project supports independent film and celebrates the power of storytelling to inspire and connect people and places by leaving a lasting imprint. Autograph Collection hotels, exactly like nothing else. This episode of the Film Comment podcast is brought to you by Mubi. From timeless masterpieces to festival fresh darlings, every film is hand selected. Try Mubi free for 30 days at mubi.com/filmcomment for your extended free trial.
1: Uh, Hello and welcome to the Film Common podcast. Uh, We're here again at the Cannes Film Festival um, starting a new week. Um, And right now we are at the Dutch Pavilion at the International Village, which is a wonderful collection of uh, industry offices supported by the different nations that are represented uh, here at the festival. Um, And the reason why we're here today uh, is because we have a special guest. and uh, without further ado, I'll let him introduce himself. I'm joined by...
2: I'm Orwan Arabiya, the artistic director of Itfa, the International f- Documentary Festival of Amsterdam. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, before that, I was a producer, mostly of documentary film, uh, and it's a pleasure. I've always read film comment, so uh, now I start to listen to the podcast too.
1: <laughs> That's good, yeah. It's our fast-growing podcast, somewhat insanely uh, in, insanely daily here. Um, but it's, it's a pleasure to have you here and, and I'm glad to kind of get you very early as, as you're starting it. Well, I'm sure you'll be way too busy to, to, <laughs> to talk, uh, talk much soon enough. Um, but, uh, interesting thing about con is that it's a huge world stage for films, uh, and, you know, typically associated with stars and typically associated with kind of deep dish art house offerings of various sorts. Um, probably fair to say not as much associated with documentary, um, but it is still a place where you can find things, um, and also the market, I, I, you know, that's another place where you can find documentaries. Um, I, in our little pre-recording debriefing, uh, which is very brief, uh, I was very glad to hear that, you, that, uh, that Orwa had seen the Wong Bing uh, film, which is over eight hours, I believe, and was programmed on the second official day of the festival, really the first full day of programming. Which I have to say, right off the bat, was a really cool thing to do. Um, I, I don't know; you'd find a lot of festivals that would start with the, the eight hour film. Um, it's it's uh, you know it's not the longest he's done. I think uh, I think crude oil was a little longer, maybe, and west of the tracks maybe a little longer. We'll have to fact check this. Uh, but uh, I mean, where did it fit in for you in terms of Wong Bing's work, and you know, how did it strike you? What was the experience? Because it's also kind of an event. You know, it's almost like you become... It's almost like a piece of performance that you're sitting
2: there and committing to that amount of time. Um. I, I think it's its a question of pluralism and democracy again. Mm. It's my obsession, to be frank, Nick, is, mm-hmm. is pluralism, is understanding that the uh, general, common, Western paradigm of what film should be mm-hmm. is challenged and that we all are open to witnessing, experiencing, and, and giving a full chance mm-hmm. to different ways of telling stories in, in, in cinema and in film. And in this sense, I would say that this is how this great filmmaker from China works. He makes very long films. Yeah. The standard would be uh, from a Western uh, stand, like standardized, industrialized viewpoint is to say, it's not edited eight hours where's the editing right why not edit it make it a film right and then what does that mean it means that it becomes a three-chapter uh, structure where you have a clear uh, a climax point at the second third of the film right. and then you reach a resolution within uh, a, an industrially acceptable total duration of the mm-hmm. film and then we say let's see what would A Chinese artist do. A Chinese artist who speaks only Chinese, like Wang Bing. He's not, in this sense, he's not a cosmopolitan artist. Mm. He is a Chinese, Chinese artist. And to him, the narrative is different. What he does is an eight hour, 15 minutes, or 13 minutes in this case, story. What he's doing in this film is exceptionally courageous. What he's doing is that he's the very first one to examine massacres that the world didn't hear about Mm -hmm. and was in many ways accomplice in in covering up on many massacres that happened during the re-education period uh, in in China, which is a very problematic thing for him to talk about. It's high risk, it's very courageous. And then the way he makes his films, and some of his films... Already have a cult status to cinephiles everywhere in the yes, world. This is true. <laughs> is different. He doesn't make films with three chapters. He doesn't make films that we would accept as the usual mm-hmm. storytelling structure. And this goes as a huge credit to Cannes Film Festival. On one hand, you can say it's exceptionally uh, uh, fancy to show an eight hour documentary right. film. <laughs> That's but still who else is doing it yeah yeah it's really an exception and it's really inspiring from Cannes film festival
1: yeah it absolutely is and we've just been joined by a perhaps not surprise edition but uh, <laughs> a very welcome edition uh, eric hines has just stepped in hello eric hi nick <laughs>
3: <laughs> it's, uh, it's, uh, this, is, uh, this is eric hines uh, curator of film at museum of the moving image and film comment columnist happy to be back and, and frequent victim
1: of the con podcast um, but uh, Orwa and I were just, I guess, skimming the surface of, of the, the Wong Bing because it's such a big thing, that you know.
2: It is a very big thing. Yeah. It is. It's, 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 not about, it's not only about the film itself. It's also about the challenge of opening up Western audience and the Western film professionals and, and filmmakers to accept that some things are different. Because most of the critique I heard of the Wang Bing film was geared around, why isn't it a Western film? That's what I hear when I hear, like, why is it so long? Why it doesn't have structure? Why isn't it, and when we say it doesn't have structure, it means it doesn't have a Western standard, you know, in a way, Aristotelian structure. And then the answer to me is simply because it's not a Western Aristotelian film and doesn't come from the same place and the world is so much bigger than one language and we have to train all of us audience and filmmakers on being open and submitting a bit surrendering a bit in the theater to see what would happen if we take something different. I I I
3: love that you're making that challenge not just to audiences, which a film like this is clearly a challenge to an audience, um, or to many. Um, Even Chinese audiences might be challenged by the length of this, but a challenge to filmmakers too, because why are we imposing a structure? on any environment or any people. Even if it's a an American film made by American filmmaker, what is this idea of a, the right or correct form for telling anyone's story? Every story itself deserves to be seen anew and for a structure to be devised to match that subject. So I, th- I think that as, as viewers, as filmmakers or film professionals, when we act as viewers, I think and sometimes we're the guiltiest of all of imposing our expectations of how a film should be made. Onto,
1: onto a film. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, it's understandable that he'd have a lot of material for this because he's been working on it for many years now uh, and, he's, you know, he's made other films in the meantime uh, and that itself is kind of a non-traditional approach to, to filmmaking, I think, uh, to something you're revisiting, you're continually adding to and, and that's a challenge as well because, you know, you're not worrying whether the footage is going to look a little different from, you know, one year to the next uh, uh, and, and all of that, uh, whether you're going to have that sort of um, continuity in it. Um, Just
3: the very notion, though, of there being such a thing as a traditional way of making a documentary in particular right. always yeah. strikes me as absurd. Absolutely. Because if time <laughs> is marching on,
2: yeah.
3: we, should, <laughs> we, yeah. we should be telling story a different way every time. Yeah.
2: Yeah. It is probably the most courageous, politically courageous film of the year. There are many other courageous films happening. Right. Filmmakers right. Sure. in documentary and in fiction are taking risk out there but this one is particularly a precedent nobody worked on this topic and especially not a chinese filmmaker who lives in china right yeah still to me the question is how does a filmmaker bring together all of this courage over years and years of work to the moment where they decide to jump into this unknown when this film premieres we don't know if if Wang Ming will be safe to go back home. Mm. He doesn't know that. And on the other hand, we're witnessing this very exceptional, outstanding situation here with his compatriot, Jia Zhangke. Mm. The great Jia Zhangke, who is in many ways pro-regime in China, who is a filmmaker, a great filmmaker, but he is very close and supportive of the uh, ruling party and the leadership Mm. of the country. And then it becomes this story of, can I say that this uh, uh, politically uh, uh, questionable position of Jia Zhangke means that his film must be bad? Does it mean that the film of, uh, the the ethically much more coherent, in my opinion, film of Wang Bing, or the overall body of work of Wang Bing, uh, means that his work is better? I think this is a very interesting examination or exercise for me to, to look at the uh, the aesthetic and the ethic and their relationship you know how do we right. how do we understand film mm-hmm. it's uh, it's not entertainment in any of these two cases because it has a lot more to add to the world or to take from the world mm-hmm. in 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 the example of a country like China today mm-hmm. and again credit goes to Cannes Film Festival because many festivals will have a big problem already in discussing, showing or not showing an eight-hour film. Right. That's already a big technicality for most of the festivals out right. there. So yes, credit goes to Cannes, but this doesn't mean that everything Cannes is doing about documentary is uh, is, is so outstanding like this. There's still a lot, a long way mm-hmm. for a festival like Cannes before it acknowledges cinema at large in a more complex and, and sophisticated manner the, but, but then comes the question of Hollywood mm. Hollywood has its weight on Cantu too well, as does the French film industry too also but Absolutely. in the French film industry I must say that documentary has a place in, you know, the, f- in the festival? Generally speaking, in the French industry, in French theatres, in
3: the the, the industry, yeah. No, I guess I I thought you meant in the festival too, because I also see between Hollywood and the French industry, in particular, are those the reasons why we're not getting more documentaries Uh, in the festival?
2: Yes, I say I I could agree, but I I I truly blame this more on Hollywood. I blame this more on the festival's uh, non-stop negotiation difficult negotiation with Hollywood Mm. like what is film what is can why would this festival be uh, very important or not and how much is that judged by the presence or the interest of Hollywood Mm. Uh, uh, it's it's becoming a crucial point for the festival and Mm. this is what makes me happy in my job in it for this is what makes me feel much less uh, controlled
3: Mm. So, but it, because since it's my first time here and I'm still getting the lay of the land and trying to understand how it works from a closer proximity, there's a part of me that shows up and gets very impatient because I'm like, wait, I know that at least half of the films worth anything made any given year are documentary. In fact, it's probably a lot more than 50%, so forget about that ratio how is there so little representation here and so rather than me saying this needs to change immediately why is this not happening it does make me want to go beyond the the, the industry pressure you're saying what other steps could be taken then should there be a whole section should there be a curator brought on who has the specialty that does not exist now mm-hmm. I am asking this without knowing
2: enough I'll tell you first there is a historical dispute mm. You know, the f- I, I was an actor. I'm an actor by training. L- the first time I played the lead role in a big film, I was 24, and I came to the red carpet. I was lead role in a in an official selection film, and I did the red carpet, and together with my partner, Diana, we decided to stop working in fiction and go to documentary on top of the stairs of the red carpet. Wow. That was where we felt this is so much... It's so fake and phony and I, it's not why we do, do this. I don't want to yeah. do this. Yeah. I, I, I don't want to spend my life wanting to come back here. And I think this is what defines me as an independent filmmaker or a documentary person. Mm-hmm. Then later on, I learned from D.A. Pennebaker that, you know, he premiered Don't Look Back, his, his Bob Dylan film here. Mm. Yeah. And he didn't attend the premiere because he was already so sick of the atmosphere of the of the uh, how, how phony and fake the stardom star system mm-hmm. is yeah. before his 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 film premiere. And he left the city, he left Cannes before, and he didn't attend his premiere. Wow. He couldn't take it. And this is the end of the 60s. You're talking. Yeah. I mean, already then it was already a huge distance between mm-hmm. the spirits of a documentary filmmaker. And the right. star system. Right. So uh, when I talk about Hollywood, I'm talking about the the weight of the star system right. and of the uh, the question of profitability, the commercial commercial aspect of cinema, mm-hmm. which I don't think is meaningless. Of course, it's important. Right. But then when you see this huge festival being enslaved yeah. by the question of feasibility, yeah, by the stock market of the big studios, by the, you know like the stock prices. Uh, I think this is what I'm not always comfortable with. Mm. Still, mm-hmm. Cannes is one of the few festivals that keep a bit of a balance, yeah. because a film like this one, like the film of Wang Bing, Dead Souls, that mm. we've been discussing, right. is an exception. This is a film that will right. not make money. Right. You know, like If right. it breaks even, then it's already a great accomplishment. Right. Mm. Yeah. Right. Uh, so it's good they have this edge. Then, th- the thing is, I would certainly be against Cannes dedicating a section for documentary. Okay. Because what's special about Cannes is that Cannes is about cinema. Right. So the question is how can documentary be seen as full fledged cinematic work? So a film can be a contender for the. Palme d'Or, again, not only the Michael Moore Moore exception. Right. I think this would be the edge. And this is happening gradually because of the intervention of the documentary community in France. Uh, You know, four years ago was the first time that LASCAM, the Union of Film Authors, as it's called in in France, introduced its award for best documentary across all sections in Cannes. Right. This year is the fourth uh, Golden Eye Award, as it's called. Mm. And I think that was a very smart lobbying effort from the documentary community to draw the attention of the festival executives towards documentary. And we look over the past four years and we see that there is an annual growth in the presence of documentary. Still, I have critique that not all my colleagues would agree with me on. But my critique is to the fact that most of the documentaries in Cannes Film Festival are part of the Cannes section called Cannes Classics. Mm -hmm. What means it's restored old films and then films about cinema. So we're talking about a film about Orson Welles, a film about uh, uh, Sidney Lumet a few years ago, a film about uh, Hitchcock, a film about Kubrick, etc.
3: They're still not making room for things. They're uh, using
2: that section. I think... Some of these films can be great. The film of Mark Cousins this year is really an interesting film. Uh But the entire positioning of documentary being documentary about film reminds me so much of DVD bonus material. (laughs) (laughs) And that I find very very uncomfortable. Of course. course. Positioning documentary as extra learning material is very problematic. Right. Because it puts it outside cinema. Of course.
0: The Film Comet Podcast is sponsored by Kino Lorber, presenting Xavier Legrand's Custody. This French domestic thriller about a bitter custody battle will keep audiences guessing and leave them with their hearts in their throats. Sight and Sound called it, quote, the most dazzling fusion of grim social realism and giddy genre thrills since Christian Mongeau's Four Months, Three Weeks, and Two Days. Winner of the Silver Lion for Best Director at the Venice Film Festival, Custody opens June 29th at IFC Center before expanding to select cities. The Autograph Collection Indie Film Project celebrates the synergy between independent film and Autograph Collection Hotels. Indie filmmakers and screenwriters tell stories that inspire and connect us. And at Autograph Collection Hotels, storytelling is in our DNA, enabling travelers to connect with each other and places around the world in a memorable way. This dynamic cultural program is anchored in three key programs. Screenwriters in residency, free indie films streamed at hotels throughout the U.S. and Canada, a portfolio of beautiful hotels and key film festival destinations. Learn more by visiting AutographCollectionHotels.com. Autograph Collection Hotels, exactly like nothing else. A New York Times Critics' Pick, Hong Sang-soo's The Day After is now playing at the Film Society of Lincoln Center. The Day After is an especially elegant presentation of some of Hong's characteristic concerns, says A.O. Scott. Shot in chilly, silky, digital black and white, it plays with chronology in a way that seems both casual and musically precise. A Cinema Guild release, The Day After is now playing exclusively at the Film Society of Lincoln Center. While we are here reporting from the croissette, those who aren't with us can still enjoy the films of Cannes. MUBI is presenting a fantastic lineup of favorites from past years of the festival. Now showing on MUBI is The Bridges of Sarajevo. This ambitious, talent-stacked omnibus exploration of Sarajevo stands testament to the fierce history of the city. With diverse contributors including Godard, Angela Shalinek, and Romanian new wave luminary Cristi Puiu. Discover this along with 29 other hand-picked films streaming right now on MUBI for free. Just go to mubi.com slash film comment to claim your extended 30-day free trial.
3: Which is why like the, the, the Godard exam. We know Godard is in main competition because he's Jean-Luc Godard. But he's making an experimental documentary that could also be a model for other films that deserve to be there. But instead it just becomes, oh, well, it's Godard. He's in his own category. But he's in the he's in the Palme d'Or main competition. And he made an experimental documentary. There's just no other opportunity unless you're Jean-Luc Godard. And that would seem to be a possibility of a place to change. I couldn't take any more.
2: I mean, it's at the end of the day, of course, there is an exception called Jean-Luc Godard. Of course. I mean, like not of many course. exceptions of this size. <laughs> no, in the, he's an exception <laughs> in every possible yeah, category. Yeah, true. but yeah. on the other hand, yes, it's not only him. And it's, yeah. it's many, yeah. many, many working in the world today who are... Uh, Taking a serious cinematic challenge and trying to make serious film work, and uh, yeah. not all of them necessarily should be in the can official competition. Sure, but yeah. But I think that also think that uh, the limits between fiction and documentary are gradually blurred more and more right. the last winner of the uh, Golden Bear in Berlinale is a big example of this, Touch Me Not of Adina Pintley the, the Romanian filmmaker mm. it's an absolutely a hybrid film it's a documentary but it's not, it's a fiction but it's not, mm. and it's a very intimate and sincere you know, uh, film uh, that that you can expect to see in Itfa as much as you can expect to see in Berlin uh, mm. in the competition mm. uh, this kind of work is growing And it's making it very difficult to say what is a documentary and what's a fiction film. It's not the point. Is it a cinematic narrative? Is it something that can take me out of my world and make me think and reimagine my existence or the world around me again or not? Right. Uh, On the other hand the questions that uh, symbolically I mean iconically Donald Trump puts us facing, uh, the question of fake news and Mm. the question of reality, truth truthfulness that is very important in the world today Mm -hmm. puts an additional challenge to documentary cinema Mm -hmm. because again it takes documentary back to a point that it, it it was very difficult for documentary to get out of the box where it is expected to be telling you the truth. right? And then, because of the pain of having such lies right. in the political uh, system of the world today, not only the USA, you end up with a big movement trying to make sure that documentary tells the truth that is verifiable, quantifiable, right. measurable, right. and uh, uh, you know, and again, we leave That space where documentary is an imaginative interpretation of reality where we acknowledge the fact that film is never objective, where we end this absurd quest to presenting the world in binaries, in blacks and whites and in truth versus lies and so on. But when we have Trump on one hand we have counter Trump Absolutism, on the other hand, right, right. and this ends with a huge amount of rubbish documentary films totally. trying to, you know, to do the the positive propaganda. Right. Yeah. Right. right. I think positive, no propaganda, really wants either. I, I think it's propaganda still, no yeah, matter. And propaganda exactly. is absolutely <laughs> negative. Well, it's,
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, it's been a, well, but this kind of the same thing happened with Bush and counter Bush, which you can make arguments for and against in terms of how it affects the documentary industry, because it definitely provide an enormous boost to documentary, you know, the opposition being the voice of opposition during Bush. Right. Then, of course, though, it also ended up being this kind of cookie cutter thing of like, what's the next issue I'm going to make a documentary about? And then, right. you know, that'll fit into to the right agenda. Yeah, I mean, here it is a challenge because it is so auteur centric. And it's interesting that you, or why you mentioned Pennebaker, because He's one of the few, like, capital A auteurs in, in, that's or widely recognizable in, in documentary, just to generalize widely for a very wide audience. You well, know, that's and, all, but I think that's
3: historically, because he his, became an auteur during an era
1: where I was excited about auteurs. Sure.
3: Yeah, there yeah. are plenty of auteurs in documentary. Franco Rossi Roberto Menorvini the Ross Brothers Robert Green these are auteurs but we're just (laughs) I know you agree with me but like I I don't think that today's sense of like what makes an auteur makes room for that I have to
2: ask you to bring up four four female examples please oh well uh I'm training myself to keep doing this, so I'm inviting well, you. Please. Eric. Uh, Kristen Christen Johnson. Johnson. Uh, uh, Mila Tareilic. Tirail, Tirail- Tirail-
3: Terail- T- who You're T- 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 ext- ext- much better than I am. I think who's th- think such extraordinary young Agnes filmmaker. Harda. Agnes Varda. Agnes Varda. Well, but <laughs> that who, again, somebody who gets acknowledged at a festival like this because of the generation that she's coming from. I mean, mm. and then there are others who are, have been around for much longer, like Barbara Koppel, who are in this sort of Pennebaker category. They've been doing it for long enough, and they've made enough great films that they're that but my point is there are filmmakers and they're making their third fourth fifth films right now that should be on that red carpet with the third and fourth fifth filmmakers like uh elisea roer Rol- Rol- walker oh, sure. um who is which fourth film i guess an emerging auteur yeah but i can think of so many documentary filmmakers who are also on their fourth feature that we would never th- we don't think right. of it in a sort of auteurist lens. Yeah. Not that I want to apply right. auteurism to documentary filmmaking in a strong way because I actually think one of the great things about documentary filmmaking is that we don't think of it as just being driven by one person. Mm-hmm. We think about creative producers, we think about the editor, we actually think about the creative process behind documentary filmmaking in a more respectful and just way, right. I think, and speaks to the art form Whereas autourism, if anything, you could say is maybe outdated in the sense that it puts it all on one person and traditionally, not coincidentally, puts it on a man. Right, you know? right.
2: I, I, I think it's, it's exceptionally important to, to, to look at the uh, uh, discussion between different, first, the two, uh, the two sides of the Atlantic. Mm. And to me, one of the most uh, unforgettable uh, case studies would be, have you ever seen the film 1 p.m.? Of course. I think this is one of the greatest case studies. Yeah. And Pe- Pe- Penny wouldn't like me to keep mentioning it, but I do. Yeah, He doesn't like it. I love it. I love it too. <laughs> and I think yeah. it's, it's, it's one of my favorite <laughs> I, made him, I, made, uh, I interviewed He made him talk about it for an hour yeah. and a half. <laughs> he doesn't like that. He doesn't like that. I interviewed Ricky Leacock before he died about it also. And I right. think it's it's outstanding to see this question of Direct Cinema versus Cinema Verite in the only Mm -hmm. time that the two met. Mm -hmm. The only time that Godard, Leacock, and Penny Baker worked together on a project. Mm -hmm. And it was in New York, Mm -hmm. and it was a failure. Sure. They failed to continue working together. Right. And the first thing that uh, uh, Ricky Leacock said to me was, Godard, oh, he's a phony. (laughs) And... You take it from there. It's so fun to see this uncompromising Leacock tell you his opinion without needing to be correct about anything. And then you look at what Godard did, which is absolutely valid, legitimate, and added so much to the history of humanity, not only film. uh, uh, On the other hand, although they both disagree, absolutely in many different ways. But still... It's two very valid points. Sure. Viewpoints. And when they come together, you end up with a very interesting insight into the history of cinema. The <laughs> tension is on screen. It's there. Yeah. Every choice in that film is three people disagreeing. It's amazing. It's us so speak beautiful. of the people not speak of the actors. And what's good about yeah. it is that it was a failure what meant that they didn't have they didn't manage to make what you would call a good structure. Yeah. So you end up with a fragmented yeah. film. And that makes it one of the best least controlled hence most sincere films that they did mm-hmm. because they failed to do it the way they were expected to do it yeah. it stayed to be a bit more fragmented a bit more loose on structure uh-huh. that makes it more vulnerable more accessible more sure. real What well, brings the audience
3: in yeah. to f- trying to figure out what they're doing and being exposed to that sense that they probably don't know what they're doing either and that can be scary, but also exciting for an audience. Yeah. I think, and um, I, I love that film. I love I, that I, I'm film. Gonna, I'm going
1: to play the, the, the boring referee at this point because that we're nearing nearing the end of our, our, our time. Um, and um, I'm gonna, it's going to drive me crazy
3: that there's like 15 female
1: documentary filmmakers in my head I right know, now. I In know. that moment,
3: we challenged I me. I just want to pause it. Well, these really things when, when I'm a moderator <laughs> and when I present things in the museum and do things. Whenever i have to remember names every name that is
2: even my own name goes immediately out of my head if i yeah. have to
3: introduce you on stage i will immediately forget it no but Eric, <laughs> i have
2: to say it's not you it's a reality the number of confirmed acknowledge acknowledged right. film auteurs who mm-hmm. are female is very little the problem, which is with, why we should name them you're the, right yes the problem of female auteur is is uh, it doesn't end up just by not by their reality now it's the accumulation of decades Absolutely right. of film history Absolutely and right. today yes they were not acknowledged the same way men were acknowledged so it, no. now if I want to count the 10 greatest filmmakers You're gonna... I'm going to end up with a vast majority of men it's not it's, right. this is how it happened and that's why we need to change it but, mm-hmm. but it's not yeah. me or you who are forgetting the names now it's, it's, it's all of these decades of accumulation that we need to yes. to, to reject in a way and
3: also, sorry, sorry, Nick, we're just no, going to quickly sure, say this, yeah. but like also that comes from men are taught to own themselves as an auteurist, as an auteur, the way that women are not encouraged to do so. That it takes a real extra effort to say, no, I am an auteur, I have made this number of films, you should think of me that way. Um it becomes a sort of hyper-masculine thing that, that rewards masculine performativity. Because I think the reality of documentary film is different than the narrative film historically in the sense that it's so hard for a female filmmaker to even make a second film because you can't get somebody to give you the money. Whereas documentary film has allowed for careers to happen and flourish over time. The challenges remain, but at least... At least there are, whether they're acknowledged, whether or not we're remembering their names on the spot, there are plenty of
1: women who've actually made careers doing this. Yeah, so. yeah, and I don't you know, just what you're saying right now about you know art tourism being kind of male performativity. It makes I can't help but think about, about last year's Faces Places, which was a you know out of competition screening, and you know it's it's almost unbearably poignant how that movie ends given now we see Godard this year and competition obligatory yeah. and absolutely zero reason you know that I know maybe there's some other reason I don't know that the Varda film it was should not have been competition totally. and if not a you know a, con- a cont- contender yeah, a contender right. and, and in some ways it's also in this particular way a braver film than the Godard which is might sound awful but only in the sense that the Godard is this essay film like deep dive into his brain and just like, (laughs) you know, it's almost like it's very directed toward the world, but it's also a little solipsistic, a a guy just kind of regurgitating, and I like the film, regurgitating a lot of uh, references that are intricately woven, whereas the Varda film cruises along, you think it's very light, and only gets more complex as it goes on, and ends with a moment that's disarming, in every sense of the word, a moment where she confronts her own vulnerability at the very end, with Godard, Godard and, right. and his absence. And that is like braver than I, you know almost any moment I can think of in the Godard movie right. this year. Right. Um, so, yeah. I don't know. That, that sort of <laughs> rushed into I, my mind. I I, I, I you know I just, what I mean? Just, I absolutely yeah. do.
2: And I think this is where I'm critical to festivals generally, but to Khan in this example. Because mm. this is also another star system. It's the author sure. star system. Totally. And we know yeah. that no, anything openly. by Godard, anything by Godard will have an, a, a good audience in within the niche within its yeah. own uh, milieu and then the same for Varda but then Godard is a bigger name Godard's audience is bigger to me the role of a festival of a good cinema festival mm-hmm. is to negate this balance is to say this film is better than that mm-hmm. although the, the brand associated with it yeah. is not necessarily so in this sense I think this is part of the same question also of male female uh, uh, mm-hmm. roles and representation yeah. uh, but not only that yeah. like of course when we talk about godar we don't talk about him only as a male and we we talk about varda we don't talk her, about her only yes, as a female not at all. but still there yes. is something out there you know of of the accumulated body of work and the years and years of how each one of them was acknowledged and presented, mm. hence the number of, of tickets. Yeah,
1: that's right. true. Right. Um, I think we have to wrap up there, but I, actually it's a nice place to wrap up uh, because Orwas uh, brought us back to what we were talking at the very beginning, I think, a bit about democracy and the pluralistic kind of mm. a, approach to th- to uh, and in, in this case programming and art and, and, and life. Um, and I guess to reverse it, uh, we, we have this thing we do when we do the podcast in New York where we talk about the last film we saw i want to change it a little and, okay. s- and say what's what's a documentary here that you're going to go see just so that we're aware of another one here that's that's coming up that's a challenge <laughs> we, um, we can skip this if you want <laughs> <laughs> but just in the interest of saying what is you know it's Wong yeah, Bing well, or, well, or nothing.
3: Well, no, I mean, I mean, there's there's the Nelson Mandela documentary. Nelson Mandela. Which I'm curious to see because apparently it plays in different formats, animation uh-huh. and live action, and that's good. That's something I'm curious about. Sure, but in some ways, I'm as appreciative as I am to be here. I'm looking forward to the next documentary festival I get to go to, <laughs> where I can get to sort of see a lot of things I wish were here. But yeah,
2: I, I, I I've seen five or six already. I, I don't I don't have an answer sure. ready to go, mm-hmm. um, yeah. but. Yeah, I'm 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 waiting for many films this year. Let's sure, see what sure, happens. Yeah. I hope. Yeah. Sorry to put you on the spot <laughs> like
1: that. Yeah. No, no, it's a it's a hard thing. I can't even think what I'm going to see tomorrow. But uh, so uh, we'll so we're in a process of discovery, as you can tell. Um, and yeah, I guess that, that brings us to a close. To a, a this was very good. special. I'm very happy we were able to talk. Um, um, Orwa, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Um, thank and, you, and Eric, thank you as well. Thank You're, you welcome. Guys. You're thank welcome. you very much, me. Nick. <laughs> thank you, Eric. Right. It's always a pleasure. Yes. <laughs> thank okay. you for listening, everyone. We'll see you tomorrow. See you tomorrow.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Autograph Collection hotels are carefully chosen for their unique design, passion for craft, and an inherent connection to the locale. Each hotel has its own exactly like nothing else story to tell. The Autograph Collection Indie Film Project supports independent film and celebrates the power of storytelling to inspire and connect people and places by leaving a lasting imprint. Autograph Collection Hotels, exactly like nothing else. The Film Comet Podcast is sponsored by Kino Lorber, presenting Custody. Winner of the Silver Lion at the Venice Film Festival, this French domestic thriller will keep audiences guessing and leave them with their hearts in their throats. In theaters, starting June 29th. Don't forget to check out The Bridges of Sarajevo, now streaming on MUBI. Claim your extended 30-day free trial at MUBI.com slash film comment. That's M-U-B-I dot com slash film comment. The New York Times' Mandola Dargis says The Day After is a lovely, intricately fractured story. The Day After, another must-see from Hong Sang-soo is now playing exclusively at the Film Society of Lincoln Center.